0: Well, good evening to each of you. I want to say good morning, but it's not quite morning anymore. That's right. (laughs) Our text this morning is found in Galatians chapter 3. So if you would, please turn in your Bibles um, to Galatians chapter 3. And look with me at verses 23 through the end of the chapter, verse 29. Galatians 3, verse 23 and following. Paul writes this, Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, We are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are in Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, you are holy, you are righteous, you are just. But because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross, his death, burial, resurrection and ascension, we have every right to call you our father because we are your children, we are your sons. And I pray this morning that as we walk through this text that um, has tripped people up for centuries god would you make it abundantly clear to us what you are getting across what you mean i pray that people would hear your words and your truth not mine father i pray that you would be glorified in this time that your name would be magnified open our eyes open our ears open our hearts to receive your truth and draw us by your Holy Spirit's power into a closer and a deeper relationship with you we pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus amen it is genuinely a privilege for me to be with you this morning my name is Eric Um, I am uh, a member of First Presbyterian Church in Trenton, Michigan, with Pastor Aaron Carr, another uh, fellow EPC uh, church. Um, I brought my, as, as uh, I believe it was uh, John mentioned earlier, uh, I brought my wife with me, who is pregnant with our fifth child. Uh, our oldest, Sean, who's 17. Um, Lyric, who is almost eight in about a week. Uh, Kuiper, who is five, and Ransom who is uh, I think 18 months, I was really impressed that you remembered all their names, because I have a hard time. Uh, but uh, we are, like I said, we are genuinely excited to be here this morning. And one thing I want you to know about me is that I love C.S. Lewis. I'm a big C.S. Lewis fan, and especially his, his fiction. Um, so much so that we named our youngest child, Ransom, after the main character in the C.S. Lewis trilogy, uh, the space trilogy. Uh, but I also love the Chronicles of Narnia. Most kids do, but as an adult, I also love the, the Chronicles of Narnia. And my favorite book in that, uh, in that series is The Horse and His Boy. Some people love the book, some people hate the book. But for me, it's my favorite. And the story of The Horse and His Boy is about a boy named Shasta. And he finds out that the man that he's living with is not actually his father but this man is going to sell him into slavery. And as he's trying to figure out what to do, he comes across this Narnian horse that can talk. His name is Bree. And they decide that they need to get away, they need to escape, they need to run away. And so they do that, and as the story progresses, you see Shasta grapple with the idea that he's nothing more than a runaway slave. And as the, uh, But in the, the end of the book, you find out that Shasta's real name is Kor, and that he is the long lost son of King Loon. And as the book ends, you see King Loon putting his long lost son to bed, and he says these words And tomorrow, Kor, he added, shalt come over all the castle with me, and see the estates, and mark all its strengths and weaknesses for it will be thine to guard when I'm gone. Thou art my heir, the crown comes to thee. See, when the father was revealed, Kor was no longer seen as a slave. He was seen as a son. And since he was the son of a king, he began to live as the son of a king. And in our text today, Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 through 29, we see the exact same thing. Since we are sons of God, we are to live as sons of God. Look with me at verses 23 and 24. Before faith came. Before faith came. What does Paul says? Say. Now before faith came. We were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came. Now, before faith came. What does this text mean when it, asked, or when it says before faith came? It's not the way that we usually use the term faith. See, a lot of times we think of faith as you must have faith. You must possess faith in Christ. Hebrews 11.1 1, Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Yes, this is what faith means, but it's not the way that Paul is using it here in this passage. And we know that it can't mean this because there must he assumes that there is a before faith. And we've seen in our Old Testament lesson and in our New Testament lesson that Abraham possessed faith. For he believed God, he had faith in God. He had faith in the promises of God and it was counted to him as righteousness. See, faith isn't something that magically appeared in the New Testament. No, faith has always had an object. Faith in something faith in someone and in our passage this is exactly what the apostle is referring to the object of our faith the fulfillment of all the messianic prophecies of the old testament it's the coming messiah that all the old testament saints looked forward to it's the messiah who came that we look back to Now, before faith came refers to that time when the promises of God had been given, but no fulfillment had been seen. I could say it this easily before Christ came. Now, what was our status? What does the text tell us that our status was before faith came? It says we were held captive, it says we were imprisoned, it says that we were under a guardian or a schoolmaster or a tutor. Now when you think of those words today, they don't carry quite the same context that they would have carried to someone in the first century when Paul was writing to these churches in Galatia. Now a guardian in the first century was a slave who was put in charge or in authority over someone who was an heir of an estate, but was not ready for that role as the heir of an estate. They were given the task to teach them what Greek was. They were given the task to restrain them. They were given the task to discipline them, often harshly. They were given the task to keep them from mischief and danger. They were given the task to set boundaries for this heir, to prepare them for when they would come of age and the inheritance would then be given to the heir. And our text says, we were under a guardian, and at that time was marked by captivity and imprisonment. See, Paul's whole reasoning in chapter three of Galatians is to put the law in its proper place. Too many Jews were thinking that they could find uh, their salvation through obedience to the law. We often do the same thing. And now these Jews are telling the Gentile converts That they too will find divine favor with god through their obedience to the law but paul is saying that that was never 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 the case it was never intended the law was never intended to provide salvation for god's people its purpose was to what to reveal the character of god because the law itself is A reflection of who God is. When God says don't murder, it's because he is not a murderer. When it says don't steal, it's because God is not a thief. When it says don't commit adultery, it's because God is faithful. The law itself is a reflection of who God is. The law reveals the sinful nature of man. So the law is good. And it was added to reveal transgressions. We see that earlier in Galatians 3. It was to reveal sinfulness. It was to reveal the purpose and the need for the promised Messiah, the need for the coming faith. The law was Israel's guardian. It taught them the character of God, it restrained their sin, it kept them from mischief it kept them from danger, it disciplined them, it set boundaries for them, but because they were unable to keep the law, it imprisoned them. It held them captive. It enslaved them. And yet all this time, Israel was looking forward. Before faith came, they were looking for Christmas. They were looking ahead to when the Messiah would come. They were looking ahead to when the Messiah would free them from their bondage. They were looking ahead to when the Messiah would set them free from the bondage of the law, from the guilt and the penalty of their sin. But until that time, they were held captive. They were enslaved. They were imprisoned under the authority of a slave, and all this time, They waited for Christmas. They waited for Christ in order that they might be justified by faith. Faith in the person and the work of Christ. Justified by Christ himself. I'm reminded of one of my favorite Christmas songs, O Holy Night. Probably my favorite of all Christmas songs. The first verse says this, O Holy Night. The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Listen to this line. Long lay the world in sin and error, pining, languishing, waiting without hope until He appears. And our soul fills its worth The world waited in chains for the glorious Christ to appear. Before faith came, we were in bondage. We were slaves. But now. Verse 25. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. See, Paul tells us in verse 25 that the promised Messiah that glorious savior did appear long lay the world in sin and error, pining, languishing, grieving until he appears. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. See, when the promised Messiah came, he set us free. He set us free from our guardian. He set us free from our imprisonment. He set us free from our enslavement and from our captivity. No longer are we regarded as slaves, but we are regarded as sons. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. Verse 26, for in Christ Jesus you are all all sons of God through faith. The result of faith coming, the result of the promised Messiah coming is a change in relationship to the Father. Before faith, we had a guardian. Now that faith has come, we are sons of God. Now, depending on your translation, some will say we are all children of God. And there's a sense in which that is correct, but it misses Paul's point. See, in the first century, sons were the ones who would get the inheritance of the family. Daughters would not receive the inheritance. So when Paul says sons here, he means it. Men and women both are treated as sons because we all, as sons of God, receive his inheritance. Paul is arguing that before faith came, we were heirs who were not yet ready for the role of heirs. I'm reminded of the the famous Oprah Winfrey phrase. I'm not encouraging you to listen to Oprah Winfrey. But I remember the, the, uh, it was a special show that she had where you get a car and you get a car and you get a car and you get a car. Paul is saying it doesn't matter who you are, you get an inheritance and you get an inheritance. You get an inheritance and you get an inheritance. No one is left out. See, remember that in Galatians, Paul is attacking this false gospel that's creeping into the churches that's saying in order for you to become a Christian, Gentiles, you must first become Jews. This means receiving the sign of the Old Covenant. This means you have to be circumcised. This also means that you have to follow all the commands of the Old Testament, including following the festivals and the new moons. And Paul is arguing this against this and saying that you're standing before God has always, always been based on faith. It was never based on obedience to the commands in the Old Testament. It's always been based on the coming Messiah and what He would do. But now that faith has come, you are all sons of God through faith. He goes on on to say in verse 27, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now to be baptized into Christ and to put on to Christ is to identify yourself with Christ in His life, in His death, in His burial, in His sufferings, in His resurrection. See, both of these images serve to illustrate what it is to become one person with Christ. All of his merits, all of his rights. You are treated as if you did what Christ did, and you deserved what Christ deserved. One theologian puts it this way. All who believe in Christ Jesus are so closely related to him, as to be treated by God as if they were one with Him. When He looks at them, He sees nothing, as it were, but Christ. This is what it means to put on Christ. This is what it means to be baptized into Christ. So this text tells us that before faith came, we were enslaved. We were in bondage under a guardian. But now that faith has come... We are all sons. So why is it that you and I both continue to live like slaves? See, the story of the prodigal son teaches us the same thing that Paul is teaching us here. This son who squandered his father's inheritance ends up living as a slave, eating out of a pig trough. And he finally musters up enough energy, enough humility to say, it would be be better for me to live as a slave in my father's house than for me to continue to live like this. But while he's still on his way home, the father comes running, embraces him, and throws a party for him. Why? Because he's a slave? No, because he's a son of the father. Despite the fact that he was a son, he was living as a slave. And for those in the Galatian church, they would find their identity in their ancestry. They would find their worth in their social status. They would find their value in what gender they were. And if you're a free Jewish man, you're seen as blessed before God. But what if you're a Gentile? What if you're a slave? What if you're a woman? Or heaven forbid, you're a. a Gentile slave woman. You're seen as the lowest of the low. You have nothing that's coming to you. No inheritance, no hope. Paul tells the Galatians, the ways that you have looked for your identity, the ways that you have looked for your value, the ways that you have looked for your worth, or your means of salvation, they're gone. Verse 28... For there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. What kept you enslaved and chains before faith came is now gone. Now this doesn't mean that your social status here changes. This doesn't mean that your gender goes away. What it does mean is that men and women stand on the same grounds before the Father. It means that Jews and Greeks both have the same footing before the Father. Slaves and freedmen are called sons of God and have all the rights and all the privileges of the sons of God. You say, okay, Eric, that's that's nice and... I'm glad we're talking about the Galatian church, but what does that mean for me today? I'm glad you asked. See, oftentimes we live as slaves when we fall back into that mindset that we're going to please God by our law-keeping or that we're going to earn our Father's favor by doing good things. If I just read my Bible enough, God will love me more. If you memorize enough verses, God will love you more. If you just join enough ministry opportunities, God will love you more. If I just teach this class, then I'll have favor with God. When you believe this way, you're living as a slave. We live as slaves when we think that God will love us less when we fail to do good things. I didn't have family worship tonight. I forgot to read my Bible. I I missed church this week. I I wasn't able to serve with the youth this week. There's no way God could love me because I failed this standard. You're living as a slave when you think this way. Moms, when you think that your worth is determined by how well your kids sit through a church service. I know, I have four, and I've had to take them out multiple times. You're living as a slave. Dads, when you think that your value is directly related to your job, directly related to promotions, directly related to demotions, raises, or just being let go. When you're thinking this way, you're living as a slave but hear me though you and I live like slaves day in and day out we can take comfort in the fact that we are not slaves faith has come and his name is Christ Jesus and in Christ Jesus we are all sons of God through faith and how do we know this it's manifested and our baptism, it's manifested in our daily putting on Christ. Christmas is my favorite time of the year. It always has been, more so than my birthday growing up. I loved Christmas more. And I remember one year for Christmas, I wanted a PlayStation. It, was, it, was, it had just come out. And now they've come out with so many more gaming systems today. I can't even keep up with all the things that the the, the youths are playing with. Uh, but I really, really, really wanted this PlayStation. I remember the hope building up to Christmas Day. I re- I remember the anticipation of of really wanting this. I remember the build up. And I remember on Christmas morning, tearing into that rectangular shaped box, I remember the font, I remember the color, I remember the smell, it was cardboard, but I remember the smell, and I remember playing that game forever that day. But imagine if I had opened that present, it was exactly what I had been hoping for, it was exactly what I anticipated, it was exactly what I wanted. I saw what it was, and I wrapped it, back up under, wrapped it back up, put it back under the tree, and said, man, I wish I had a PlayStation. See, that's what it's like when you and I live as slaves. We're living as if faith hasn't come. We're living as if Christmas didn't come. For parents and children alike, the morning of December 25th is not like the morning of December 24th. Remember the words of O Holy Night. Long lay the world in sin and error pining until he appears and our soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope. A weary world rejoices. Listen to this line because I got emotional listening to it the other day. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. On December 24th, a weary world in sin and error pining. On December 25th, a new and glorious morn. On December 24th, enslaved by the law, held captive by a guardian. But uh, but on December 25th, we have been declared sons of the living God. And Paul tells us that if we are sons, then we are heirs according to the promise. Look at verse 29. And if you were Christ's, then you were Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. See, all the promises of God are fulfilled in the person and the work of Christ Jesus. Jesus. And as we celebrate this Christmas season, it's easy to compare ourselves to others. To find our identity in what we give or what we receive. But my encouragement to you this Christmas season is this. Here's my encouragement. A thrill of hope. A weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Faith has come. And we can rest in the finished work of Christ. We can rejoice in the fact that we are all counted as sons of God. Faith has come and his name is Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Our God and our Father, Lord and Maker of heaven and earth and all that is in heaven and all that is in earth and all that is under the earth. You are truly our Father and we are truly your sons. You have given us life and you have given us breath and you have given us meaning. And Father, we ask you to forgive us this morning. Forgive us for living as slaves. Forgive us for attempting to find our worth and our value in doing good deeds. Forgive us for thinking that you love us less when we fail to do good things. God, help us to live as sons of God. God it was Jesus who came. It was Jesus who perfectly obeyed the law. It was Jesus who died for our sins. It was Jesus who purchased us at the price of his own blood. And you tell us that we are made sons of God by faith. So help us to trust you, help us to believe you. And God I pray that when we leave this place today that we We go out with a different mindset, a mindset that more closely matches you. Change our hearts, change our minds. And God, would you do this all for your glory and for your glory alone. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.